0: Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again. Our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. Uh, As always, thank you from Julie and I to all of the... uh, I can't believe how many followers we have with this program, but uh, it's with extreme gratitude... um, That we're able to do this program, uh, shed light on mental health, legitimize it, destigmatize it, uh, instill a sense of hope. Um, I try to get back to as many people as possible. Um, If I haven't gotten back to you, I know I'm scheduled to talk to a bunch of people this week. I'll give you my contact information uh, at the end of this episode. As always, I do this program organically, which drives Julie crazy. She's like, you have the entire week to think of a topic. Can you please think of something? And that's just not how my mind works. So, wrestling with different topics, I decided to focus on one that I've seen uh, increasingly uh, doing neuropsychivals: body dysmorphic disorder. So this was, uh, it used to be called, what's the name? Dysmorphophobia, I think was the old clinical term, but was never in the previous diagnostic manuals so essentially what body dysmorphia is it's this it 's a preoccupation with someone's um, one or more perceived uh, defects or flaws in their physical appearance um, that really are not observable to others it's really an internalized almost distorted view of a sense of self. Um, during the course of the disorder, individuals usually perform um, repetitive behaviors like constantly checking in the mirror, constantly grooming their hair, skin picking, uh, seek, seeking reassurance. You know, grabbing maybe their love handles and checking themselves in the mirror, um, uh, comparing their, their their appearance to to others of their of their same age or or, or gender or or, or population. Um, And it really causes uh, a lot of clinical distress, and the vast majority of individuals with body dysmorphic disorder are um, a higher prevalence rate in females, and uh, the most common comorbid diagnosis with body dysmorphia is major depressive disorder, uh, also generalized anxiety disorder. So, uh, some people have good insight, some people have poor insight, um, and some people can really almost sometimes have perceptions that border on delusional thinking and delusional disorder is a, a top again with the water. We did not do this on purpose, I promise you i don 't know why I think Julie 's just habitually programmed to go to the sink with the water, but body dysmorphia is 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 really um, you see I see it a lot in in the adolescent population. And a huge component is uh, people addicted to instagram facebook uh tiktok where there's this constant comparison and it it really i think does border somewhat on delusional thinking because there really is nothing wrong i think all of us in western society when we're bombarded with with supermodels and celebrities you you check it at the grocery store and you see people photoshopped on you know glamour magazine or rolling stones or whatever so it's this constant state of comparison that could really have pretty significant um, detrimental uh, impacts, including suicide, um, because the person really, you know, and a lot of it sometimes also stems from, from I, you know, the one topic I did on bullying. A lot of people with body dysmorphia have histories of being bullied or they've had uh, overbearing parents um, that would weigh them every morning that would give them very rigid... <laughs> uh meal plans and I'm talking like elementary school in middle school. Um there's probably a personality disorder going on with mom or dad in those situations. That's just anecdotal from experience, but I think that's not I hate the term normal, but that's not normal behavior to weigh your child every day and tell them that you're fat or dress them a certain way. So you know social learning theory, you know, is 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 a big factor that plays into this in terms of you know what the environment is is telling us. Um And most people that I've worked with that I've diagnosed with body dysmorphic disorder um, are able to kind of generally, it doesn't, they're able to kind of pinpoint where it came from. It came from what mom or dad said. It came from what a sibling said. It came from what the peer group said. um, And, you know, where social media, you know, prior to it, you know, things were contained. Uh, You get in a fight or argument on the playground, by the next day or the next class, you're best friends. Now, it just gets extrapolated across so many different platforms, and it it really does a number on, on the psyche of an individual uh, to the point where they begin, you know, they can start getting plastic surgery. If you want to see, if you want to, if you look up, look up the human Kendall. This is the perfect example of body dysmorphic disorder. This guy's had, I know he affords it, he's had so many plastic surgeries because his whole goal was to look like the human Ken doll, Barbies, I don't know if they were married or what were, what were they, Julie? Were they cousins, married? I don't think they ever clarified what... And they were boyfriend, girlfriend. What, or they were boyfriend, girlfriend. So yeah, the body dysmorphic disorder, um, I think, is is really was really needed to be put into the diagnostic manual because uh, really, I think, with, again, with the advent of technology and things not being contained and, um, again... It 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 really sometimes borders on on delusional thinking where you kind of look at a person like, yeah, I'm not seeing what you're seeing. What do you what are you looking at in the mirror that, um, you know? And, and there are some times where people have you know do have defects. Maybe they have a cleft palate, um, or they were born, you know, with with you know. One leg shorter than the other. I mean, sometimes there are, you know, perceived defects, and it's, it's kind of you know, real difficult to disagree with them. And you know, you're working really from a therapeutic perspective on helping them build some sense of self-confidence um, and not being mired down by the opinions of others. But we live in an incredibly judgmental world, from what we wear to how we talk. Uh, to what kind of cars we drive? To what brand of shoes do we wear? To what k- kind of purse do you carry? We're an incredibly judgmental society, at least I think in in the Western Hemisphere, um, and it 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 it's this unspoken competitive competitiveness that I think divides a lot of us and and makes us sometimes question our own sanity and, and never having a sense of peace with, with who we are, um, you know, constantly comparing ourselves to, well, you know, I want the bigger house or I want that with a nicer car or I want these pair of gym shoes or I want this this makeup line, whatever. So I think just the fabric of Western society has created that, you know, has resulted in us being able to have a, an actual diagnosis that really is about someone's truly these individuals believe that they are defective and by conventional standards you can say you know you're per- again you're perfectly good looking there's nothing wrong with you but in their mind they are they are defective and their behaviors can even become obsessive compulsive with the ritualistic checking and you know uh, getting scales to measure body fat uh, excessive working out They can lead to eating disorders it can lead to anorexia it can lead to bulimia could lead to binge eating disorder, um, uh, <clears throat> rumination disorder. I don't know if it's links to much rumination disorder. That's where you basically spit the food out and then re-eat it. That's a separate topic in and of itself. You never heard of that? Yeah. Uh, don't see too much of that. But, you know, from the whole perspective of, of uh, a, a judgmental society in terms of how we're supposed to be, and how we're supposed to look, and how we're supposed to perform. Um, it Really, you know, we. I see it on on, on the primary end. I, I don't. I can't think of a case where somebody's come in and this was their primary, you know, presenting complaint. They're usually coming in with with uh, symptoms of depression, of anxiety, mood swing, maybe some OCD symptoms. But when I ask about, you know, any, you know, body. Issues body dysmorphic disorder. Uh, some people are able to really articulate the struggles, and it it it, it you know same in working with people with delusional disorder, uh, which again is not psychosis. It's very hard to challenge that. So you're really focusing trying to treat the depression and the mood symptoms before you really get to the body dysmorphic disorder and want to help the person start to reduce. Um, will be called, I kind of call it harm reduction, maybe, but if you check in, so what I, have, what I would do is like, if somebody checks their mirror, I would ask them, okay, keep a keep a journal of how many times you check yourself in the mirror, and we would slowly want to, so if they say, okay, it comes out to 120 times a day, just random number, so the goal would be, okay, can we get that down to 115, and then Can we get that down to 110? Can we get that down to 105? And so on and so forth. So to really kind of decrease that, because the more they're engaging in these behaviors, it's just reinforcing their perception that there is something defective and wrong with them. So... it's a a much more prevalent disorder than I think a lot of clinicians think, um, prescribers think, because it's really not what's coming in. And I think it's really, from my experience, I wouldn't really know this about a person unless I was directly asking these questions. Um, And again, they're usually going to be coming in or a parent may be be bringing a, a child or adolescent or young adult in because of the actual behaviors that they're engaging in. And, you know, the behaviors can, like I said, can lead to more severe disorders like illness, anxiety disorder, uh, the eating disorders, OCD, because the whole goal is um, I'm living in a world where I am unlovable. I am unattractive. Nobody wants to be with me. And it's it's a very black and white dichotomous mindset in individuals with body dysmorphia because in their mind... Nothing is going to ever get them to that place where they are going to be happy with their parents, be happy with themselves, be happy with other people. And, it, and they, they don't take compliments well. Uh, you, you, you can give them all the compliments in the world if you're, if you're a partner, if you're a parent or whatever. It's, but, but by the time it gets to the actual, you meet the diagnostic criteria, they, they may at, at face value say, oh, thank you but there's no uh, there's no attachment to that to that statement, so it's basically just kind of operating on the social mores of you know it's polite to say thank you when somebody gives a compliment, but there's really no emotional connect and that's why make it, you know you know specifically treating it makes it more difficult and that 's why you really want to go to the mood symptoms first to kind of alleviate the alleviate that whether that's from um a psychopharmacological perspective, uh, a cognitive behavioral perspective, and you know, again, suicide is something that definitely um, it's definitely something that needs to, that needs to be monitored. Um, you know, the I think the, the average age of onset is early teens and you know think about teenage years you got hormonal changes you got facial hair you got bodies changing you know girls are developing a menstrual cycle you know the body's going through this whole metamorphosis I think they did an episode of this from the Brady Bunch with Peter when he was his voice was changing or whatever. So, I think there was an early example, maybe, of some some variation of body dysmorphia. But um, it really, again, think, you know, 16, 15, 16, 17, kind of like mean age of onset. Um, you know, I mean, it could be, I've seen it earlier, like 11, 12, 13. But it's usually, again, an artifact of what they have experienced from, from parental figures, from family members, grandparents, um, maybe uh, uh, someone they've dated. Um, it, it it came from somewhere. I, I can't think of a story where somebody, uh, I'm sure there's always the outlier that just woke up and said, you know, I, I, I'm defective as a person. Um, but in a world of television and movies and celebrities, like I said, and, and magazine covers, and, and we're just we're inundated. Um, I'll ask people about social media usage. You know, any problems related to social media. And commonly they'll say, yeah, I spend, you know, they'll say yes. So what's the problem? Invariably what it comes down to in, in the vast majority of cases is people say will say they do way too much social comparison. So with this that would feed into the development and maintenance of body dysmorphia. If you're constantly comparing yourself on social media, if you're looking at everybody else's vacation pictures, everybody else in, in their bikinis, or or other families, I mean, it, it could lead to not just body dysmorphia disorder, body dysmorphic disorder, but a whole host of other psychiatric conditions. If, if you're looking at your life and saying, "Here's where I'm at." And we live in the world of it, well, if, it, if somebody's posting it, it must be true. If it's on the Internet, it must be true. And that, that I think that's something that, especially in the adolescent mindset, is is very, very much ingrained. And, you know, they'll often say, I spend way too much time on Instagram, and I follow this person, I follow this person. And the, 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 the downside is they're not really realizing, it's kind of brought to their attention that, Hey, this is this is kind of contributing to, you know, maybe body dysmorphia. This is maybe contributing to your eating disorder. This may be contributing to O C D. So I always recommend with parents to limit the amount of time that your children spend on social media, especially during crucial developmental periods, and especially during the early, you know, preteen and, and teenage years, and God forbid you take a kid's phone away who's sixteen or seventeen, they're gonna throw a, you know, a you know, a fit, um, but that's diagnostic of himself there. So, uh, Julie, you want to add anything? Um, I
1: think you're doing a good job.
0: Oh, gee, thanks.
1: <laughs> you're doing a swell job, honey. <clears throat> I've been listening to core talk. I know this subject very well. Um, I feel like in my life, I've had <clears throat> a few lives and um, I do unfortunately believe that we live in a very visual world and that can do a lot of damage if we pay attention to the wrong things. Coming back to one thing in particular is why it's like a phenomenon, but why does the negative stuff stick? Why does the negative stuff stick? seep through the cracks of our selves as human beings and sometimes we just are vulnerable enough to just go to that point where you know what's wrong with me <clears throat> i still do it you know to be honest um, i do catch myself on social media just because i you know i follow a couple people i'm not really into it i don't have a i don't have i don't post anything um but I like to learn from other people um in social media. So I'm usually looking at <clears throat> people who are making a difference in the world. Uh, a lot of travel stuff. But you know, I I was uh I I don't even like to say I was a model at one point because I feel like it's kind of embarrassing. I don't I don't take any pride in the fact that I guess I was lucky enough to be decent enough looking. Um, you know, after a professional makeup artist was done with me, to look pretty good. Um, and this was a long time ago, but I even remember then um, being very, very influenced by, um, you know, supermodels. Um, you know, the icons that we look up to, and and you know, society can be very, very, very hard on. Not just women, but men. Um, I believe that men probably have more of the disorder than they let on. I think it's even harder for men to even admit that they have a body dysmorphic disorder, eating disorder. But it happens. It exists. It's really hard to just love yourself sometimes. It's hard to not see the visual world and it's difficult not to draw a comparison. The thing is, is that we all have to remind ourselves, if we can, that God loves us and that we are from the universal soul, um, the universal um, energy. Ener- Do you want me to talk? You just gonna mumbles over here. Um you're coming from, we're all coming from the universe. And the universe, in my opinion, is God and it's love. And it's very hard for us to remember that all the time because of all the distractions that are in our lives. You know, if we're made in God's image, and I don't mean to be preachy here, I really don't, because some people just don't believe in God, and that's fine. Um, I'm a big believer in science. And, you know, I, Cor and I have been listening to some stuff that we really want to talk about um, maybe in next couple of weeks about what it means to be human in this world and um, dealing with a lot of feelings. People have a lot of feelings and they let their feelings define them. They let their feelings drive their behavior, their mood, their day, their week, their month, their year, their job, their relationships, child rearing. Um, it gets complicated. But I think if you try to come back to where did I really come from? If you came from a source of love, like we all did means that we are part of that. We have that in us. And we are essentially good. And we are made in the image of God. So I believe doesn't mean everybody else believes that. But, you know, there are enough science, scientists around that have, made, have done amazing work, like Einstein, I refer to him a lot, um, Robert Planck, um, the, you know, people who discovered the atom and, um, and ultimately after decades of work and discovery and ambition and desire and passion to figure things out means to an end, right? Science, follow science that it's really still a mystery and that we are all just made up of atoms, which is matter. Atoms are really matter and nothing is really happening unless something's moving. So a thought, a feeling can create an experience that feels very real. I'm, I don't want to get too way off topic here because I could talk about medication for eating disorders. And uh, to be honest, with something in this world that is so predominant and so pervasive, in our field, we don't pay a lot of attention to it. And it's sometimes we don't find out about eating disorders because there's a lot of control, defensiveness and protectiveness over eating disorders, because eating disorders are essentially about control. And the person that develops these kinds of eating disorders, per se, because of whatever it is that has influenced them in a negative way to the point where they develop an eating disorder. You know, they it, 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 it's, it's something that a lot of people protect, because it's because they felt and I gen I'm generalizing here, that they've lost control, that somewhere along their life's path they felt a complete and utter loss of control. So in psych, when we meet people, like I always say, they want treatment yesterday. We are getting the mood, at the mood dimension of, and I'm not, I'm failing. My words are failing me. We are getting the, we're treating mood stuff. We're treating anxiety, depression, bipolar. We're treating PTSD, a whole bevy of uh, of conditions, and we use medications sometimes for that. Um, very often we do for that. But unfortunately, sometimes eating disorders can kind of get pushed under the rug. It's really about... I don't have my glasses. Oh. So do, do I know of anybody who doesn't have body dysmorphic disorder on some level because we have to say it's on a continuum. I have to speak, I I do feel like there are people out there that really use social media platforms to uh, in such a narcissistic way. I have to I have to believe that those people are uh, do I think they're empowering other people when they're kind of perfect and they're, you know, no, I, I don't feel like that at all. I feel like there are people out there that are imperfect. They're perfectly imperfect. And then they try to reach the public in that way. You know, the self-deprecating humor, um, that's always, you know, fun to see with people who are seemingly perfect out there. But... The body dysmorphic disorder, I feel like, is on a continuum. I don't think I know of anyone in my life that I have not heard something derogatory pointed at themselves for because they don't they they don't feel like they're supposed to be at where they're at. Um, Cora spoke to the developmental piece That's crucial. He also didn't include menopause, which is a very difficult transition for a woman. Um, You know, that's okay. But you got to mention that too, because menopause is real and menopause is so real. And in the body changes dramatically and, and it it can be very difficult. So I just, it's frustrating because I, I, when I hear core talk, I hear it and I know it in theory, but I also see it and I see the images. I see what people or hear what people talk about when, when I'm in session with them and we're, we're talking about what's going on in their life or whatever. The, we, why do we draw comparisons? We're supposed to be all in the image of God and unique. We're not supposed to be like that other person because we're meant to be us. To come back to who we are, is always the right thing to do. If you're feeling down, and you know, I, I, I tried this trick a while back, I think about a year ago, I shared it with you guys online, um, on the podcast about meditation, and um, you have to guard your mind. And when something comes into your mind, and it, it, it prays there, you have to send love to it. You know, you can flick it away like it's a mosquito. Maybe that's another technique you can do. But if you send love to anything and everything that causes you distress in a meditative way, because we know that if it's somebody else, we can't fix them, we can't change them. Sometimes we can't change our work, the our job, at that current moment. Sometimes we're in a relationship that isn't working, but we're living together and we own a house together or we have kids together and it's complicated. But if you can get into your own world, like I've been listening lately to, I I listen to Wayne Dyer a lot because he really extrapolates so much information from other people, the greats in in the world, the people who have then pioneered, you know, through science, um, education, theology, um, you know, uh, writing, the authors, the beautiful, amazing people out there that have, who, who conceptualized and got all this, you know, and figured it out. For some reason, I feel like we have to come back to that. We have to come back to a place of peace. And the only way to do that is within yourself, And no one can do it for you. You have to do it yourself. If you can find a place like people who are great thinkers that way, they don't seem to be too distressed about a lot of things because they know how to come back to that place of peace. They're self-actualized. So I think that that's the goal for everyone, you know, self-actualization. It's quite the journey. I started it, my God, I don't even remember when I started it, probably... My late twenties, and I'm still evolving. And sometimes I'm inert. Sometimes I go through phases where I'm doing nothing, and it catches up with me. Um, whether I stop educating myself or reading myself, or you know, t- taking care of myself, and um, that's another piece too. And you know, really take care of yourselves, love yourselves. You deserve it. You 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 deserve it. You deserve to live the life that you were intended to live and feel free and feel happy and feel joy. Everyone on this planet deserves to feel joy. And there's a difference between happiness and joy. And, you know, happiness, I guess, is when something great happens and you're happy about it. But joy, nothing really needs to happen. You just feel it in your soul, in your heart. I'm ran, you know, I was a little random today. I wanted to say so much more, but um, core grabbed me as I was running around the counter. And I did want to say that I, I didn't want to talk about medication today. I just, I just wanted to say that hopefully it's helpful. And thank you again for all of your, all, all of you who are listening and reaching out to us, it is absolutely our happy place, and um, it just makes our whole world go round. And God bless you all.
0: Well, Thank you, Julie. <laughs> you covered about 30 different topics. <laughs> <laughs> but I am tangential (laughs) yes you are Um, so you know as Julie was saying yes we are in in a very visual world and how my mind works I'm thinking I wonder I'm going to look if there's there's a research study uh, if it's out there um, what's the likelihood of a blind person born blind developing body dysmorphic disorder if they are not visually stimulated and have no awareness of their appearance so this so again this is how my mind works uh, I know a lot of you guys who email me or, or reach out to me everybody loves how Julie is calm and talking and I'm the more animated one because I'm the extrovert Julie's the introvert um, but I thought this was a, just a relevant topic because I, I agree with Julie I think you know even though we have you know we have data and statistics about etiology and timeframes of, Julie, of when disorders manifest, uh, I think all of us experience a degree of um, body dysmorphia, um, probably more so, uh, I, would, I would guess, it in Western civilized um, countries. But I think uh, one of the fundamental, I think, mistakes that we all make is that we believe that what other people say to us, that they're correct, And we can almost, you know, like I I think I've mentioned this before, you can get 50 compliments in a day and you get one person that says something negative. We negate the 50 and focus on the one. And I think in general, as humans, we are incredibly hard on ourselves and we, we, we look to confirm the negative in our lives. I don't know why that is. Um, you know, it, it seems very ironic and, and counterintuitive and counterproductive, but don't give away your peace. Don't give other people the power to dictate, if we're with body dysmorphia, how you view yourself. And if you have this disorder, uh, I definitely agree with Julie. It, it, I, I believe a lot more men have it, but it's underreported same as the amount of men who are in abusive relationships it's highly underreported uh, whether it's physical or mental abuse in in, in a relationship because i think there's that still that shame of you're supposed to be the manly man and you can't really admit this um but you know body dysmorphia i think is a precursor To it, it it actually in the section of the anxiety disorders of obsessive compulsive disorders. So it's a relevant diagnosis. We are all prone to it, but again, question the source and you know, don't give, don't give other people the power to dictate your sense of self and your sense of value, your sense of self-worth. Can we all do a better job of maybe taking care of ourselves and and eating better and exercising better? Yes. But give yourself a little margin for error, not to the point where it overtakes you. Are you back.
1: Yeah. I just wanted to say one more thing and I want to say it again. I probably mentioned it three times. In the world, there's good and there's evil. There is, there is evil in the world. Um, I believe the devil exists. Um, and I do believe that the devil and evil nips at our heels and it's constantly there. That's because we're on earth. This is where we as human beings need to rise above that. We need to send love to whatever's trying to annoy us that person, that place, that thing, whatever. Um, if it, it's an internal. Um, recording that you've had that you've inherited um, because you weren't born with it that's my point just remember that we came from love we are made of love and when love knocks on the door no i'm about to screw this up so there's love and there so there's good there's evil there's love there's hate i think i heard lo- Hate is love going in the wrong direction. Because hate means you feel, right? Um, but anyway, anxiety, fear, depression, fear, fear, fear. <clears throat> there's, there's nothing to fear but fear, fear itself. We create a lot of the fear in ourselves. I'm the first one to admit it. I do it all the time. But when fear knocks on the door and love answers... There's no one there. Please try to remember that you are loving people. You are made of love. Come back to love, and you can't
0: lose. I don't think.
1: Sorry, deep thoughts.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're. Listen, I, you're
1: I'm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm juggling over here.
0: I'm sticking clinical. You're off.
1: I got pre- little preaching. Little um.
0: No, but I think so. We incorporate a lot of different topics into this section, this episode, uh, but this is kind of how we roll and how we do things, and I think Julie's points are all well taken, Uh, but if you are struggling with body dysmorphic disorder, uh, there should be no shame to it. Uh, Get help uh, therapy. Cognitive therapy can help you rewrite a new narrative of your life. Um, The vast majority of psychiatric disorders are treatable and curable, um, but you got to do the work. Um, so hopefully this was informative, uh, be mindful of where you're getting your information from, look at the sources of where you're getting information from, whether, and sometimes we have to cut people out of our lives. And sometimes people come into our lives for a season and for a reason, but if they're having a negative impact on your, your view of yourself, uh, whether, um, maybe you should have a different disorder body dysmorphic disorder, like psychiatric dysmorphic disorder, where people can almost be convinced that there's something wrong with them mentally. And it'll do be another topic in and of itself. Um, so in it, what what's that, that conversion disorder? Nah, no, conversion disorder is different. Um, <clears throat> any, no, you're, no, you're telling me to wrap it up. All right. Until next time, um, feel free to reach out to me at psychologyunplugged@outlook.com at Uh, through psychology today you can contact me directly 617-750-9411 east coast standard time in the united states until next time take care of yourselves take care of each other be well looking forward to meeting a lot of you guys who are coming from all over the place for neuropsych evals and i will talk to you guys then be well bye guys